Thanks, Michael. Good morning, everyone. My name's Abe, if we haven't met before. And um, we're starting a new sermon series today on the book of James. So we're looking at James chapter 1 this morning, the whole thing um, from verse 1 to 26. And we're thinking about what true faith is. What is true faith? Some people might think that faith is just listening to God's word. They might think, I go to church each Sunday, I hear God's word, I'm a Christian. Uh, some people might think that, um, uh, or that faith is doing good. I do good, I do good all the time, and that's, that makes me a Christian. But is that really true faith? Um, James tells us that a true faith is more than hearing God's word. It's more than good works. And James is concerned about this because he wants his readers to know that only a true faith will actually save us. Uh, now, there's three broad aspects that James communicates about a true faith in chapter 1 of James. Uh, he tells us a true faith perseveres under trials, a true faith trusts in God's goodness, and a true faith lives out God's righteousness. Uh, so we're going to look through these uh, three points today, and let's look at the first one. A true faith perseveres under trials. James says... Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What's a trial? A trial is a test of our faith that literally means a putting to proof. It's a strange sort of phrase, but it, what it really means is prove it. Uh, so there are moments when our faith is put under pressure, where we have an opportunity to prove that our faith is actually a true faith. Now, we don't like the ideas of going through trials or temptations. We find the idea of difficulty or hardship really hard. Um, we tend to think, God, why is this happening when hard things come our way? And some of us among us today might be going through really hard times right now. Uh, did you notice that James tells us something about trials? He tells us that this is actually normal for Christians. It's normal for Christians to experience trials. He doesn't say, if you experience trials, he actually says, when. Trials will come. Times will come when you have an opportunity to show that you believe in God. And James expects that true faith will be put under pressure. It will be tested. But James doesn't see that as a bad thing. He actually says, we should consider it a great joy. And the reason is, is that as Christians experience trials or difficulties or hardships and overcome them, God is actually working in them to produce endurance. It's staying power. It's those roots that Allison was talking about earlier. A tested faith leads to endurance. And James says endurance must do its complete work so that may, you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So why is it important? The Christian journey is growing to be more like Jesus, growing to have a faith that will last, a faith that is unshakable, a faith that is unmovable, a faith that trusts God at all times and seeks to please Him. That's the direction. And trials are a part of us walking down that path to being more like Jesus. They produce endurance, which makes us more mature and complete, lacking nothing. And that's why we can consider trials a great joy. Trials are never fun or enjoyable to go through. No one ever says, oh, I just I feel like going through a trial. Dear God, please give me a trial this week. No one does that. Right? But we can have joy that when trials do come our way, God is actually using them for our good. He uses trials to make us mature and complete. And James gives encouragement to people going through, 
through trials. He particularly encourages those who are going through economic hardship, uh, the poor in James uh, in James's day. He says those of humble circumstances are called to boast in their exaltation. Uh, what does that mean? The those who trust in Jesus may be poor, but God has actually declared them rich. They have rich and wonderful blessings in Jesus. And the poor person might be tempted to compare themselves to the rich who has everything, who seemingly has no troubles. And James says the rich person will come to nothing because they don't have Jesus. They don't have eternal life. But the poor will be exalted in God's kingdom. They have eternal life and they will live forever. James says a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Uh, I remember going through one particular trial, which happens to be cross-country in Year 10. In Year 10, they made us all compete um, in cross-country as part of our final mark. And so I tried really hard. I think I came about 15th. Somehow, I made it into zone, which was news to me because I came 15th. And they had a bunch of us running in zone, and um, I was there on the day with all of these really good runners from all of these other schools, and I took off running as fast and as hard as I could for the finish line, and of course, within 200 metres, I got a stitch, and then I slowed down to recover from the stitch, and I was at the very end, and at that point, it wasn't really worth trying to push or make it to the end, because I knew that at the end, there was nothing but a participation award. I knew that I was pretty much out of the race. And so me and one of my friends who happened to be there, uh, we walked the rest of the way back. Um, now, that, that may be um, a, a poor example of a trial, um, uh, and it's an example of a trial that you don't really need to pass. There's nothing really at the end. And so I thought, who cares? I may as well just walk this one. Through life, as we go through life, the reward at the end is way better than a participation award. It's the crown of life. It's eternal life. It's a life of peace and relationship with God that goes on forever. Surely that is worth running for. Surely that is worth persevering for. The reason to persevere when we go through hardships and trials is that those who endure receive the crown of life. Eternal life. Uh, If you're going through trials, and if you're going through trials today, they can be really tough. But it is worth it to endure and persevere. Uh, God also gives us help in our trials as well. Uh, A true faith trusts in God's goodness. Uh, There are a number of places where God's goodness is expressed in James chapter 1. He tells us that God exalts the poor. He tells us that God gives us the crown of life to those who persevere through trials, what we just looked at. He also tells us that God gives us wisdom and God does not tempt us to sin. Uh, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without criticizing and it will be given to him. God grants us wisdom. This is an outworking of God's goodness. He doesn't want us to fail trials. He gives us wisdom to face them. And the wisdom from God can come to us in all sorts of ways. It might come during prayer. It might come as you chat with a Christian. It might come from reading the Bible. Uh, it, may, it may come miraculously that God just gives you the knowledge and wisdom to be able to pass a particular trial or know the way forward. But there is a requirement to receiving God's wisdom here, and that is faith, belief, trust, 
an expectation that God will actually give us wisdom. This is the goodness of God. He delivers. He cares for his people. James says those who don't trust in God's provision, they haven't actually fully trusted in God. Uh, and they shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. This is more than, oh, I don't know if God's going to deliver or if things are going to work out right. This is, this is a person who's driven and tossed like the sea and the wind. They've not, they've not actually planted themselves firmly in Jesus. It's kind of like they've got a foot in both camps. And so James says they shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. Uh, a f- true faith will trust in God's goodness. Uh, Another example of God's goodness is that God will never tempt us. Uh, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, for God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. When we're being tempted, we can't ever blame God or say, it's somebody else's fault or it's the way that I was raised. Uh, We can't say, anybody else in this situation would do exactly the same thing. James explains that the fault when we sin is entirely our own. James tells us desires, uh, our our sinful desires come from within and that is what drags us astray. And so it can be quite a helpful thing to know that because if we are being led astray into sin, we know what we need to do is actually work on our hearts and change the way that we think about things and align our values and our love with the things that God loves and values. Uh, But this is actually an aside. This is actually a side point. James brings us straight back to God's character right away. And he says, don't be deceived. He says, don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and perfect gift is coming from above, down from the Father of lights. James says, don't be deceived about sin. Don't be deceived about God's character because what is God like? He is the Father of lights. Only good things come from God. We can trust in God's goodness. He won't tempt us. He's not out to get us. There's no darkness in him. God is for us. And God is the one who gives us new birth. Verse 18, by his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his, uh, of his creatures. James is making a contrast here, right? Sin leads down to death. God leads us to life. There's no way that God is going to lead us down the path to death. Only good things come from God. That's his character. That's what he's like. And we see God's character in the message of Jesus, don't we? The message of Jesus that saves us. That's where God expresses the greatest love that anyone can ever show. Uh, Romans 5 verse 8, it's one of my favorite Bible verses that that just shows us God's love. Uh, It says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know what life looks like for you right now. You could be going through something really difficult and hard. Your faith could be feeling like it's under all kinds of pressure. And it's especially hard during trials when you're in the thick of things to hear things like this. But all of it is true. The crown of life awaits those who persevere. What's God like? He will never put anything in your way to hurt you or harm you. God only gives what is good, what is generous, what is perfect. That's what God's character is like. These things can be really hard to hear during a trial, but they're true. And we need to hear them. 
If we know these things before we face trials and know them and understand them and live them, uh, then they can give us particular strength during trials to keep going. Uh, what have we heard so far? We've heard that truth, uh, that true faith perseveres under trials. We've heard that true faith trusts in God's goodness. Uh, James lastly talks about a true faith that lives out God's righteousness. Uh, James says, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's a lot of ideas in this last section of James chapter 1. It's still describing aspects of a true faith. A true faith will live out God's righteousness. But I'd like us to slow down and think about a few things first. There's two common misconceptions about Christianity. One is uh, that it's all about doing good. You do good, you don't do the really bad stuff, and God lets you into heaven. That's one misconception. And another misconception is it's all about going to church or being a part of God's community. If you go to church, you hear about Jesus all the time, you may feel like you're a Christian, but this is also a misconception. Hearing about Jesus doesn't actually save us. Both of these things, hearing God's word and doing good, are both aspects that spring from a saving faith. I'll say that again. Hearing God's word and doing good are both aspects that spring from a saving faith. What saves us is faith in Jesus. He dies in our place. He suffers God's judgment. He suffers uh, the wrath that we deserve for our sins, all of God's anger and judgment. And how are we saved? We hear about Jesus and we accept it. We receive salvation when we trust in him. That's verse 18 of James chapter 1. God gave us new birth by the message of truth. We believe in it. We hope in it. We repent of our sins. We say sorry and we turn from them. We trust in Jesus to take all of our sins away and deal with it. And then we keep trusting Jesus as Lord, seeking to live God's way. This is the foundation for James's teaching in this section. James says, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. The word is the message of truth about Jesus from verse 18. It's the message about Jesus that saves, that gives new birth. And what does accepting that look like? James says it looks like continuing to trust in God's righteousness, living in a way that pleases God. True faith doesn't want to keep on sinning. It wants to be righteous. It wants to live in a right way that honors God, doing what's right in God's eyes. It seeks to please God, hear his word, and then actually live it out. Uh, as we read in verse 22, it's not just about hearing God's word. True believers will put into practice what is heard. They will be doers and not simply hearers. Now, it's a, it's a difficulty everywhere. Uh, probably in every church, but it tends to be a particular problem in the Anglican church that we love knowledge. We love learning new things. And it can be a temptation to come to church or small group thinking, I'm pleasing God if I learn something new. Uh, and we all have this. Um, I, I remember the most enjoyable lectures for me at Bible college 
were the ones where I was learning new things or exploring new territory. It's intellectually stimulating for us. And it's a danger to think, if, uh, to think that I'm only growing as a Christian if I learn new stuff. Or to think that that's a goal, is to learn as much as I possibly can. Learning is important. Learning is good. But what pleases God is righteousness. Putting it into practice. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. You could spend five hours easy, maybe even longer, discussing things like predestination or God's sovereignty, or how we should understand the book of Revelation. They're they're great things to discuss. They're certainly interesting. But I'm not sure that these things tend to lead to a life of righteousness. If you were to read the Bible, though, about where it says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you took 10 minutes thinking, how am I going to love God? with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength this week? How am I going to love my neighbor as myself for 10 minutes? And then you spend your week doing those things. That would be pleasing to God. I think it would be more pleasing than five hours of discussing predestination or God's sovereignty. Uh, In a commentary on, on James, on the book of James, John Dixon and Simon Smart say this. They say, advancing in our knowledge of God's word is not the goal of the Christian life. It is simply the means by which God strengthens us for the life of faith. Church services, Bible study groups, and personal reading of Scripture are all important, but they are not central acts of godliness. They are all provisions for a life of obedience. Doing is impossible without hearing, but hearing without doing is worthless. James is all about faith in action because true faith lives out God's righteousness. And we'll see this in the book of James as we're studying it. Doing good doesn't save us, but James will point out to us that, uh, that works spring from a true faith in Jesus. And he even does so here in this section. He gives a couple of examples of faith in action. Uh, James, uh, he says, outbursts of anger, he says they don't fit with a life of righteousness. When there's tension or disagreement among God's people, all of us are called to be quick to hear That is, listen to each other. Not jump to conclusions about the other person's motives. Not burst out in anger or jump in and say something. But quick to hear. Slow to speak, meaning we weigh carefully what has just been said. And we think carefully about how we are going to speak and reply. And slow to anger because we don't want to be angry with each other. This is because we're seeking to put on the character of God. Seeking to live His righteousness. Remember that God doesn't lead us down a path of death, but he leads us down a path of life and goodness, and everything good comes from God. James says, uh, here's another example. Uh, James says that true faith means controlling our tongues. True faith will lead us to be disciplined about what we say, when we say it, how we say it. True faith as well, James says, involves caring for the vulnerable, like orphans and widows. True faith will not live like the rest of the world, but will live seeking not to. Uh, true faith won't live seeking to become polluted by the world's desires. True faith won't seek after sin. True faith will live in God's righteousness. We've heard today that a true faith perseveres under trials. A true faith will last. Will seek the crown of life. 
A true faith trusts in God's goodness. He is working for the good of those who love him, even when we can't see it. And a true faith lives out God's righteousness. It's more than hearing God's word. A true faith seeks to live God's way. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the book of James, and we ask that as we study it uh, over the next little while, uh, that it would be helpful and that it would bear fruit, uh, that we would learn what it is, um, what is true about a true faith, and that we would put it into practice. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, help us and our faith to persevere under trials. Help us to consider a great joy because you are making us mature and complete so that we lack nothing. We ask that you would help us to have a true faith that trusts in your goodness, remembering that every good and perfect gift comes from you and that you are there to help us at all times. And we ask that you would give us a true faith that will live out your righteousness, seeking your way in all things. Amen. Please stand as we sing our next song.